Hey yo, and welcome back to the Not Just the Jersey podcast, where the mission is to highlight professional athletes, community work, philanthropy, and or character. I'm your host, Will Oberndorfer, and today we have special guest Clark Kellogg. But before we get to that interview, it's time for the Just Nice Highlight. Today's Just Nice highlight goes out to Asia Wilson. At the young age of 24, Asia is already an NCAA champion and WNBA MVP. But I want to highlight a story and some of the work Asia has done off the court. During her schooling career, Asia struggled with dyslexia and mental health. Eventually, in high school, she came to understand that she had this learning disability, dyslexia. In college, her coach, Don Staley, encouraged her to read scripture before practices, in which she states it helped her a lot, especially with the fear of reading in public. Now with her platform, Wilson has now started a foundation to overcome the stigma of dyslexia and put an end to bullying. Just a couple of statistics from her website. One in 10 people are estimated to have dyslexia, and one in five students report being bullied, which adds up to 3.2 million kids each year. Thank you to Asia for starting to tackle this evident problem and for being our just nice athlete of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have with you 1982 Big Ten MVP, five-year NBA Pacers player, named to the all-rookie team, and voice synonymous with March Madness, Clark Kellogg. Clark, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Will. Good to hang out with you for a little bit. Clark, this is actually not the first time we've met. About 10 years ago, uh, Jack Romar, your high school point guard, generously gave up his tickets that you gave him to the Pacers game, and you took the time during halftime to come down and chat with my dad and I. And I'll have to send that picture your way, maybe, but we still talk about how cool that was. Uh, we still talk about how cool that was, and um, I got to know firsthand how kind you are, and that's kind of what I hope to highlight today. So that was awesome. Thank you for doing that, too. Oh, no problem. Jack and I go way back. We were high school teammates, and he was our point guard on our team that came up a little short in the state championship game back in 1979, and we've maintained our friendship. Um, since high school, we met quite early in my freshman year at Cleveland St. Joe's, and from that day on, we were, we've were we been pretty close. So um, glad he connected us. Yeah, yeah, very thankful for him. You know, actually, during your high school days, my grandpa, Coach Bill Gambrell, coached at Kennedy High School, um, so we kind of have a cool connection there. And to this day, he says you're the best player he's ever coached against. So during those high school days, you got the nickname Special K. Where does that name come from? Well, I think it was a writer, a writer who was covering me at one of the local newspapers in Cleveland, and I think he dubbed me that, and it's a pretty natural connection. I mean, my last name is Kellogg. There's a serial called Special K. Um, I was a pretty distinguished high school player. So I think those things led to him just kind of using it in an article. And then other folks just kind of latched on to it. And some of my broadcasting um, colleagues um, call me Special or Special K. Um, and it's not related to basketball. It's just uh, a, a nice moniker. So it's cool. I'll, 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 I could be called worse. So I'm happy when folks refer to me in that manner. But that's how it happened, Will. I think a writer used it in, in an article about our team and me, and um, it kind of stuck somewhat. That's cool. Oh, well, yeah, clearly stuck if, you're, if your crewmates at CBS still call you that. 
who is your favorite favorite player uh, growing up to watch, and maybe who would you like to play with today if you got a chance? Oh man, I'll go with the um, latter part of that question first. Who would I enjoy playing with today, man? LeBron would be hard not to play, enjoy yeah. playing with. Not just, he's a Northeastern Ohio guy like me. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal player, one of the best of all time. But I love the way he is uh, so inclusive. And I think his greatest gift, and he's got many, is his passing ability. I think mm-hmm. that's probably his most special attribute. And that's saying a lot because he's got a lot of special attributes. But that's one. And he seems like he's um, a joy to play with. Um, it just seems like he always tends to elevate his teammates. Um, so that would be he, – he probably of the modern-day guys. I would probably choose him. And my the first guy that I kind of idolize and still would he'll go down as my all-time um, greatest player is uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. When I encountered him, he was new out center at at uh, UCLA. But I once I saw him, how graceful he was, and he was a, he was an intellectual as well, which I admired that he was more than just a basketball player. Um, and so he became the guy that I followed. I wore 33. Um, because that's the number he wore. Um, and so, yeah, he was my guy. And my kids, all three of our adult kids, would tell you that if you make me ride or die with one player, I'm going down with um, with Kareem. The dream shake and the sky hook. That's that's great. I, I think it's been cool to watch LeBron play the point guard position a little more um, and really show off that gift of uh, his court vision. So I, I'm with, right with you there. Now, outside of basketball, if you could have been great at any other sport, I know you like to hit the links in golf, what would you choose? I would probably choose um, soccer. Soccer, really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I find it fascinating what those, what elite players can do with the ball, with their feet. Um, Mm. And it's a very similar game to basketball movement, reversing the ball, get it switched from one side or the other. Um, you've got to play both ends for the most part. You can't just be a one-sided player. You've got to play some defense as well as offense for the most part. Um, and I love the game. I mean, our youngest son, all three of our kids played soccer early in their athletic careers, but our youngest son played at a pretty high level through high school. And um, I became enamored with the game. I mean, it's a fascinating the skill level of the elite players when you watch um, those in the UEFA League, the Champions League across the water, I mean, and then the World Cup. And it's just phenomenal what they can do with the ball. And so that would be one that I would think I would have enjoyed being exposed to as a youngster. I might have outgrown it at some point, you know, becoming 6'8", but it would have been fun to, <laughs> to learn how to handle the ball um, with my feet. And then I love golf. I enjoy golf. It's a hard, hard game, but I like fighting with it. Yeah, I personally a soccer player. That's what I played in high school, and I was oh, soccer, really? I was a soccer goalie though, so I I didn't, wasn't as graceful with the feet. With your feet, you still had to be able to get it out once you retrieved it, but uh, yeah, you didn't have to run around dribbling and maneuvering as much. Yeah, no, nope, and those guys make it so easy in the pros too. It's touch is an incredibly hard thing to master, but you don't notice how much effort they've put into that. That's cool. That's a cool answer. Um, we'll get into your faith journey a little bit later, but as a teaser, maybe, what's your favorite Bible quote or one that sticks out to you right now? I've got so many favorite Bible Bible verses. Um, I read Proverbs pretty regularly on a, on a daily basis. 
so there are a couple from the book of Proverbs that stand out. Proverbs 22, 1 and 2. Um, Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them both. Mm. To be a, a good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I reversed them. The latter part is part is verse one and then the rich and poor element. Then I, I also love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Um, I love the entirety of Psalm 1, Psalm 118-24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad mm. in it. And I just try to store the word as much as I can in my heart. But those are a few of my favorite ones um, that, that come to mind right now that uh, resonate pretty strongly with me. Yeah, I see your, your Twitter and your, along with your basketball tweets that are frequent every once in a while, you uh, tweet the scripture verses. And I like to um, like to see that. I, I think um, it's always good to get other people's love of scripture in your heart, too. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hopefully it encourages folks. Bless them as they um, as they scroll through the um, Twitter pages. It definitely is uh, a contrast to my typical Twitter feed, but. I enjoy it greatly. All right, Clark, you've been on TV. I've, I was researching your podcast. You've been on hundreds of podcasts, broadcasts. We know you as a smooth, relatable, intelligent communicator. But dating back to your time, even as a player, have you ever been stumped or caught off guard by a question? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been stumped. Um, I can't give you a specific example, but I've been um, tongue-tied before. Um, all the times that I've been on, um, been broadcasting, whether it was radio with the Pacers when I first got started, um, Cleveland State University was my first actual TV assignment. Um, yeah, I've had a, I've had moments where uh, I've twisted my words or been caught off guard. Um, I try to react well, but um, yeah, if you're in it long enough, you're going to have some some um, speed bumps and some mess ups. Uh, I can't recall a particular. Question. I actually do recall before I became a Christian, I was early in my Pacers career and I was always open to going to speaking engagements and the like to connect to the community. And I went to an FCA function and uh, went there with the idea that I would just kind of share about my basketball career. But these kids were really interested in, in my faith and in who Christ was and what he meant to me in my life. And at that point I hadn't yielded my life to Christ and they were firing mm. questions at me that I couldn't answer at that time. Mm. And so that was a very, um, I recall that pretty vividly that um, I didn't have any grounding spiritually. I had an acknowledgement of God, but I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord at that time. And that was pretty uncomfortable um, to try to answer questions that you couldn't answer because you weren't where um, those people asking the questions thought you were. And so that was, uh, that was actually part of me becoming a Christian in time was the uh, discomfort I felt in that I believed in God and yet didn't have a relationship with him. How does that work? So it was part of what led me to, to seek out God and ultimately give my life to, to God through faith in Christ back in November of um, 86. Mm. That's cool. And that's a, that's a cool turnaround because I know you, We'll talk about it later, but you still go back and speak with FCA. Um, oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, for sure. So that's a cool turnaround. But I have to ask before we move on to more about your Christian life and your character. There was a video that went viral with you in March Madness with you and Wally and Seth <laughs> dancing with these uh, little teen moji guys. Yeah, the teen moji. Yes, yeah. uh, it's it's hilarious. Um, if you're all three of you guys are offbeat, um, but you claim that you couldn't hear the music. I, I know that. Right, I know that. right, man. That was the reality. You know, I was the next day. I mean, it was absolutely hilarious. It happened spontaneously. Our producer just kind of threw it out in the morning. Hey, would you guys want to? Because I love those team emojis. Every time they come on, I'm chuckling in the background <laughs> and loving their movements and what they're doing. And loved it. So then he threw it out um, one morning in our production meeting and said, hey, would you guys want to dance? Well, Seth was in right away. Boom. Yeah, I'm going. And then I said, yeah, that would be cool. Wally was the most reluctant but ultimately he came on board so when we had to record it those guys are virtual so they had to put us in the right spot and then record it and they thought i heard the music well i was just trying to mimic the guys because you could we could see them because <laughs> they had put oh. them up there superimposed them so i could see them what they were doing so i was just trying to match them and not knowing that seth and wally actually were hearing the music so that <laughs> makes it even more hilarious that they were hearing the music and that far off beat I did not hear the music at all, and I was off beat, which added to the hilarity of it. And then I rewatched it a couple of times, and I actually laughed as hard as I did the first time we showed. It was just comedy, and some of Seth's commentary was great. And then Greg Dumble's look that took it to the to the to the to the um, platinum level when he just stared, and it, oh, it was just so funny. That'll be a gut busting laugh for me for a long time. Yeah, I'll have to link that video in the description of this podcast. But I know you, you got a relationship with the guys at TNT. Greg clearly had some, your family. Did anybody make fun of you for that? Did you get some flack? Oh, some yeah. Flack? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys at TNT killed us all night long that night. I mean, they were showing, <laughs> they were showing it multiple times, coming back from commercial, going into commercial. Yeah, they had comedy, <laughs> which I knew would be the case. Yeah, claiming that we had never danced before, we had never been on a date. Oh, it was hilarious. We, I, I watched some of it. I watched some of it and uh, just chuckled even more. And uh, yeah, my family was on me. They couldn't stop laughing. They said uh, they're just shaking their head, but they know I'm kind of silly. My, my wife and kids know that I don't mind laughing at myself and um, I'm cool with it. So yeah, I'm glad. Um, laughter is good for the, that's one of my other favorite verses. A cheerful heart is good for the soul. And laughter is certainly mm. part of a cheerful heart. So I, I try to laugh hard every day. That's that's a great resolution. I I know my roommate and I laugh all the time, um, but I Yeah, doing the research, watching that video definitely gave me the chuckle for the day, watching you guys dance. Good. Good, man. Good. All right. I'd love to move into a little bit about your character and your uh, journey with Christ. Um, you've been pretty open about your conversion to Christianity in 1985 after you suffered uh, what would be a career-ending knee injury. Um, but during the re rehabilitation, you asked the Pacers team minister to walk you and your wife through the Bible. If you took Clark and Rosie just prior to the energy and Clark and Rosie maybe a year or two later, What's the biggest change in yourself and your relationship with your wife? Well, the biggest change for me is just recognizing that um, Christ is on the center of my throne, that that's the mm. foundation that I stand on, as opposed to whatever perspective I might have about 
who I am and my identity, whether it's tied to basketball or my career as a broadcaster, those are just appendages, the real vine and root of my heart and life is Christ and being an image bearer of God through faith in him, knowing that um, I've been restored, sin have been, sins have been forgiven um, through accepting the death of Christ, his resurrection and victory over death is my way to a right relationship with God. Any person's way, by faith you accept that your, your nature is sinful, separates you from God, but God sent his son Christ, who lived perfectly as God in the flesh, died a sacrificial death for the sinful nature of man. And through his resurrection and life, you can have that imputed to you through faith and through receiving that personally. And so that changed everything for me. It changed um, how I see myself. It changed how I attempt to now live, recognizing that I bear the image of God and I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me to become more and more Christ-like in attitude and behavior. And so in me and Rosie's relationship, it's really the foundation of our marriage. I mean, we're not perfect, but clearly uh, Christ is at the center and we attempt to model um, our relationship with him through our relationship with each other. Um, sacrificial, unconditional love, um, service to one another, um, it's bumpy at times. Uh, Rosie and I have been married. It'll be 38 years in July. So we've had some wow. periods where we've hit some bumps, but we've always remembered um, our love for each other and that God is in the middle and at the foundation of our relationship. And we, uh, we want to reflect his love and his glory um, in all ways, but particularly in our relationship. So it caused me to be a... Um, in a, in a practical sense, um, much less self-centered. I've still got work to do there. Uh, I still can be a little myopic and self-centered at times, but um, I'm better, much better than I once was. And thinking about Rosie and our kids and um, how I can give myself to her and to them. And I'm a work in progress, but that's really the most central change, perhaps Christ-centered versus self-centered. That's beautiful. And congrats on 38 years of marriage. That's an awesome. An yeah, awesome thank, you. thank you, man. You um, can't get to 38 unless you get through one, two and the other numbers. So yeah. we're, we're moving forward. Can't skip any of them. I think um, right with you that I could always use a little more humility and to be a little more like Christ. But I'd like to continue on the thought of your family. Could you give us a glimpse at your kitchen table, maybe the personalities of your your kids and your wife? Joyful, um, funny, there's hilarity at our table. Um, all of us are, um, have our own sense of humor. Um, we, um, we love people. Um, our daughter's the oldest, she's 34, and then the boys are 31 and 29. Um, Nick, our youngest, is probably uh, the most boisterous laugher. Alex is mm -hmm. clearly the funniest. He's the funniest, without even, without question. I mean, some of the stuff this dude, <laughs> comes up with and says and his perception he's very sharp and, and witty uh, and then um, Talisa is a joy I mean we, we're, we're, we're a loving laughing happy family uh, sports is obviously a permeating theme through our lives my wife was a good high school athlete loved sports and games um, all of our kids played sports at the college level 
um, and still love gathering around sports. We love gathering around games, board games and different types of yeah. games. So, yeah. And um, yeah, so we're, um, I, would, I would describe us as um, joyful, laughing, um, loving, um, easygoing, caring would be attributes that fit um, each of us. And then obviously we got our, our different personalities, but in general, uh, I think most folks would find that to be the case with uh, with our crew. That's that's awesome and beautiful. Do you do you get competitive? Does that loving nature uh, intersect at the board games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we um, and we all are, are are competitors. We like to win. Um, we try to keep it where it belongs in its proper place. But every now and then it spills over and. <laughs> creates a little uh, a little healthy tension, but not 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 overly so. But yeah, we compete in the games we play, uh, whether we're playing individual games or team games. Um, yeah, we like to be able to talk a little stuff about who was victorious and who wasn't. <laughs> as you should, as as you should. Um, now we talked about earlier your um, FCA and the one time you got caught off guard about those kids asking you about Christ. Um, but you have gone back to organizations like FCA, Athletes in Action. Um, do you have a favorite memory of sharing your witness with kids or with others? Um, a couple. FCA camps during the summer. One of my childhood friends actually works at FCA, is a, um, is a huddle leader and a um, camp coordinator. So I would be involved with him, whether as a guest speaker or sometimes being there for half a day to engage with young athletes and to nurture and water them in their own faith journeys, as well as in their athletic journeys. I've been down the road that many of them aspire to travel. So I feel it's important to try to shed some light and insight on what that road has looked like for me and even my journey as a Christian. And sometimes our stories can be really helpful to other people. Um, athletes in Action, I've done a ton of things uh, with Athletes in Action. There's a Final Four breakfast that takes place on the Saturday morning of Final Four uh, weekend. That's been going on since 1997. I've either emceed or been an interviewer um, at this award. Um, it's um, prayer breakfast to honor somebody in basketball who displays the, the characteristics of Christ. Um, so I've been part of that. The AI Athletes in Action also has hosted a Captain's Academy the last seven years that I've participated in, um, where college athletes, primarily basketball players, male basketball players gather to um, get three or four days of pretty intense leadership training, but also hear mm. the good news of Jesus Christ. So I've participated in that as well. And that's always um, rewarding um, for me to have mm. a chance to engage with young folks that are um, desiring to grow in their faith. Some are just coming to faith and then others are seeking to be better on the court as players and leaders and to offer whatever I can to, to help them uh, move towards being the best version of themselves. So those are a couple of examples that I found to be uh, memorable and, re and rewarding. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's evident you're a great example for these guys to look up to. So thank you for giving back to the community in that way. We all have opportunities to, to, to pay it forward, if you will. And um, I think it's important that um, we do what we can where we can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've also found some success as an announcer and analyst uh, for basketball at CBS. 
How did you discover your skill for communication and broadcasting, and why do you keep coming back to the game of basketball? Well, basketball is a love that I've had since I was nine or ten years old, you know, when I first became enamored with the game. Uh, early on, I had some unique ability in the game. I was always, it seemed to be a step ahead of the, my peers. I was able to play with older kids and even hold my own. So I knew I had something a little different early on. And I loved it. I loved the competition. I loved reading and learning about it, talking about it with my late dad. We would talk countless hours about players he played against and what good players could do and couldn't and, and what bad players couldn't do. I mean, it was just, I was immersed. I was fully immersed in the game, watched it as much as I could, played it as much as I could. So it's been a love affair throughout my life. I mean, I'll be 60 in July. So you talk about 50 years. I've been associated with the game as a player or a commentator. And um, my, my, my late mom, um, once she saw that I, I had some ability and wanted to be a really good basketball player, uh, really was on me about communicating, about being able to answer questions and handle myself in front of a microphone. So mm. she admonished early that if I was going to be the star basketball player that I thought I wanted to be, I better be able to speak plainly and clearly and thoughtfully. So that really drive, drove me early on when people started putting a microphone in front of me to, um, to value communicating well and to speak well because I wanted to make my mom proud. And it served me well. Um, I love words. I've always loved reading and learning and speaking. So it fits. This broadcasting thing found me when my basketball playing career was over and it was a good fit. It was a good connector. And so I continue to do it because I love it. And I think I have value to offer. But it's um, everybody has a shelf life. I don't know exactly when my expiration date will show up, but it's um, closer than it used to be. I do know that. I'm closer to the end than I am to the beginning of this part of the journey. So we'll enjoy it. But I love words. I love the game. I love the participants in the game, everything around the game. And the game's given me more than I could ever give it to us. It's a way to serve basketball as well. That's cool. And it's a cool that it's kind of a combination of your late parents, uh, this love for basketball and communication that you have. That's really cool. All right, one last question, Clark. Um, it's the one that I ask. I will ask everyone who comes on this show. Is there a teammate you could highlight for their character, activism, community work, especially one who may not um, be as obvious to fans? Um, I've got a number of teammates who had tremendous character. Herb Williams, who I played with in college and the NBA with the Pacers, um, high character guy, played a long time in the NBA, was a long time assistant coach, just um, a terrific teammate, uh, really bright basketball guy and a good human being. Um, there's a younger guy that I've really been inspired by who played football at Ohio State, Roy Hall Jr. Mm. And he actually has a foundation, the Driven Foundation, where he serves underprivileged, low and moderate income folks through um, food drives and clothing drives and leadership training. So my wife and I support his work with our, our presence at some of his events and also financially, but he's been a, a great inspiration. And, and, play, and actually played for the Indianapolis Colts um, for a little bit when he got done with college, but he's, he's probably, he's, he's much younger than me, but still a great inspiration um, in terms of he and Antonio Smith doing great work um, at the grassroots level 
to um, impact young people, particularly um, young young folks of color um, in the Columbus mm-hmm. area. And so that um, that resonates um, greatly with me. And then there are other former teammates that are doing all kind of great work um, in the communities in which they live. Um, um, Curtis Wilson lives out east. He's been an American Express executive for several years and is always mm. giving back, always uh, scholarships to young know, leadership opportunities, internships with this particular company, um, pushing people, young folks towards education um, in various ways. So, yeah, there are a number of folks in my network that are um, serving others and serving their communities um, from the positions that they've been given. And that's, um, that's inspiring to me and encouragement. Um, me as well yeah that's beautiful and i i will find the roy hall roy hall juniors foundation and i will link it in the description um so people can get an understanding of the work he's doing columbus is where i was born i didn't i didn't spend much time there but i it is where i was born so um, i will definitely link his foundation in the description thank you for highlighting him and thank you for being here today clark um, it's been awesome getting to know you a little better, getting to hear your witness, and uh, just want to wish you and your family a happy Easter. Yeah, happy Easter, Will. It's a wonderful time of year, not just because of March Madness, but clearly an opportunity to focus on the uh, life giver, Jesus Christ, his death for our sins and his resurrection that we might have abundant and new life in him. So I'm um, excited about this weekend. And excited about each day that we get because it's an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord and to um, reflect, represent, and resemble him wherever we are. Yes, sir. Clark, thank you for being an example of an athlete who's not just the jersey. Uh, It's been an honor to talk to you. Yeah, my pleasure, Will. Great job, too, by the way. And good luck with your studies. And um, happy Easter. Wow, what a great opportunity that was to interview and talk with Clark Kellogg. His faith, his kindness was evident in that interview, and I hope you guys could feel it at home. As always, like, subscribe, leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and thank you for tuning in today. This is your reminder to be great today.